Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Forest Spirituality with me, Julie Brett. Today I've got an interview with Philip Cargum, who is the current chosen chief of OBOD, the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids. And we had a chat over the internet. Um, I have to apologise for a couple of things in this interview. Um, it was really early in the morning and I'm not really a morning person, so some of my questions are a little bit uh, scatty, I guess. Um, but to Philip's credit, he managed to understand what I was saying and answer um, with some really interesting comments and uh, it, was a, it ended up being a really interesting discussion um, unfortunately, we had a tiny little bit of lag um, with the time, so we did talk over the top of each other one or two times, but that is the nature of the beast when you're do, trying to do these things around the whole world. So um, I hope you can forgive the recording for those bits, but otherwise it was really interesting to talk to him. Uh, we had been at the Shaboda event, the Southern Hemisphere Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids Assembly that was in New Zealand. Um, I, in the last podcast, I spoke to Ema uh, Burke about the same event. And um, I sort of asked quite similar questions of the two of them, um, but the answers they gave obviously were very different. And it was fascinating to hear um, what their experiences were like and, and how that ended up leading us into a conversation about the diversity of practices in Druidry all around the world. Um, I hope that um, what we talk about here might be interesting to you no matter where you live. Um, if you live in Australia or New Zealand um, or if you went along to Shoboda, I'm sure um, some of those insights will be familiar to you. Um, but if you live in other parts of the world, uh, it's quite interesting because we discuss um, different kinds of relationships with First Nations peoples but also different ways of practicing in relation to the land and uh, what what that sense of pilgrimage um, to different places around the world to experience Druidry in in many different environments can be like um, depending on where we live. Um, Philip obviously has quite a different experience having come from uh, Britain going around the world to to someone living in Australia or New Zealand going to other parts of the world or going on a pilgrimage to Britain so yeah it was quite interesting to think about um, what that experience is like for us um, yeah and I, I also got the chance to ask him what it's like for him um, sort of moving out of this position of chosen chief of the order and handing it over to Ema Burke next year um, it was really interesting to to hear what that's like for him and um, to get an idea of of what uh, what that's going to mean for us in the order um, as well to to have him uh, sort of shift gears there um, and change to a slightly different role. Um, I have to apologize for the terrible beginning and the terrible ending. It is um, my my tiredness, but also we had a bit of technical difficulty. At the beginning, the sound wasn't working, and so we just kind of jump in without any introduction, and uh, and we jump out again quite awkwardly as well because I accidentally pressed stop before we properly say goodbye. So um, yes, my apologies, uh, but the bulk of the talk should be acceptable. Um, it was very nice to speak with Philip, and I hope that I will be able to talk to him again sometime. I hope you enjoy this interview, and I'll see you next time. Okay. okay, that's great. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, Pleasure. I had a lovely chat with Ema last week. 
And um, hearing, oh, oh great, yeah. So so we we did one already, which is lovely. Um, people will really enjoy hearing from both of you, I'm sure. Um, so um, yeah. How how's your your month or so been since getting back from Shiboda? Well, of course, that was a fantastic event, wasn't it? It was absolutely amazing, and uh, we had we had quite severe jet lag. Uh, it always jet lag always surprises me because it just arrives or it doesn't arrive, you know. And uh, this time it arrived, so we were kind of knocked out for about a week. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, it was great. We had a fabulous time. Fantastic. And um, so, what was it like for you being back there? Um, how long had it been since you were in New Zealand? I think, um, well, I, I've lived for two years in New Zealand yeah. in various batches of time. Steph's lived for one year. Um, and I hadn't been back for about five years, something like that. But I have such a soft spot for it. For you, it was your first trip, wasn't it, I think? I have been a few times, um, ah. but, but it was my first time for Druidry, that's for sure. Um, yeah. and, and my first time going sort of with, with Druid-like questions, if you know what yeah. I mean. Um, so, yeah, wanting to know more about the trees and the animals and the, the, the culture in a, a more deep way, whereas before it was to see family, usually, and, and friends. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. think, you know, one of the things that always fascinates me, you know, when I go around the world is how, on the one hand, it's always different, you know, if it was an event in the United States or in England, it would feel very different. Uh, but at the same time, there's something that that is is the same. There's a kind of culture that we've developed, uh, which means you, you know you feel instantly. If like if you came to Glastonbury to one of the big events, or if you went to the Gulf Coast gathering that Ema's going to in ten days' time, you would feel completely at home. Um, you know, and that's partly partly because we are doing similar things. We're gathering in circles, we're chanting the Arwen, where uh, the various kind of the opening and closing of the rituals is similar, even if it's tailored to the individual uh, geography of the place. Um, and it's also, I guess, because we're we're treading a similar path. You know, we're uh, you know we have we share certain views about the world and life, uh, but that all makes for a, a fantastic feeling. Yeah, of kind of freshness. Yeah. So, it's, so it's kind of, it's paradoxical because on the one hand, it feels very familiar. So it's like home. And on the other hand, it's all new and fresh because it's so different. So, so you were, you were there in what, when was it that you lived there? About 2000 or so, was it? In 2000. We, we lived there for a year in 2000. And, and then, um, and then I think about probably about 2005, 2006, something like that. Yeah, right. And um, and at that time, was the Grove of the Summer Stars as big as it is now and doing the same kind of things that it does now? Or, or were you seeing it sort of in its early days? Or um, Yeah. I heard that you even was, were possibly the, the originator of that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was early, it was early days. So it was just getting started, you know, um, just a handful of members. So that, that's also lovely to see how it's grown over the years. Yeah. So, so, um, and and you were writing your book, Druidcraft, when you were there. Was that is that right? Um, I, I wrote quite a lot of stuff. I think I know I wrote the Druidcraft Tarot when I was in New Zealand. Right. And um, 
and and some some of the other books. I, I, I've, it's it's so long ago now because that's like nineteen years ago. So yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I think what I did. I, I remember now. I I revised the Bardic Grade because um, yeah, it had been uh, launched in nineteen eighty eight, so it was already twelve years old. So so I took that year we were in New Zealand, staying in Pukura Bay, and I went back over the Bardic course material and uh, revised it and edited it, re-edited it and so on. So right. I, I focused second edition, yeah. And did that, did that influence you in some way, having that experience with New Zealand? Like, did it help you to sort of broaden the scope of the course? Is that something that changed well, when you were there? Well, one of, one of the, you know, one of the kind of obvious things that happens, I think, when you spend some time in the Southern Hemisphere is you realise how North Hemisphere-centric everything is. And so you, you know, one of the things I did was introduce the kind of politically correct uh, terminology of saying, you know, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, uh, you know, so it's just a question of recognising the other half of the world. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, um, and then, you know, what I did as well is in seeing the way um, Pamela and everyone in the Grove of the Summer Stars, this fledgling grove, was was adapting the ceremonies. Um, you know, I kind of encouraged other people to do that as well, to adapt uh, the ceremonies to their locality. Yeah. So so what were they doing in the early days? Was Because it, it was quite um, impressive how much uh, Maori culture found its way into the, the New Zealanders' rituals. Um, was, was that something that they were doing early on? Or? Yeah, yeah, yes, because New, New Zealand, in, in New Zealand they're very kind of switched on and to, to uh, diversity and uh, the multicultural nature of you know, their society uh, and um, in, in a fantastic way, really. I mean, obviously there are kind of redneck people in areas and so on, but... But on the whole, the people I met were incredibly open and sensitive uh, to that kind of thing. And so right from the beginning, I remember doing at some point doing, a, Pamela had a couple of little houses, little chalets built on her land. And she got, we, we, she introduced me to a tohanga, a Maori, um, I don't know whether they use the term priest, but, you know, um, that, that was his, his role, a spiritual sort of elder or whatever. And um, he and I developed a, a ritual so that the, the houses had a Maori blessing and a Druid blessing. So we did a, kind of a ceremony together. So that was right in the early days. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by that. I found that really inspiring. Um, have you seen that kind of thing in other places around the world? Is that common in Druidry for people to... Because um, you must have been all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what it, what it, it, it didn't happen in Australia. From having experienced that, I, I, I was keen for for it to happen when when I came out to one of the um, Australian assemblies, and I know that uh, I think it was Elke and others who were trying to organize it tried to organize a. Aboriginal elder to kind of welcome us so that we could honour him and his people and the land and so on. And they couldn't get anyone to do that. And, and that's, um, you know, in, in, in the little experience I, I have, it's, that's the very big difference between New Zealand and Australia. 
uh, is that Maori culture is much more integrated into society in New Zealand yeah. than Aboriginal culture in Australia. Um, so it doesn't always work. Um, yeah, and our, in our, our um, a lack of a treaty and a really good relationship like they have in New Zealand, I think, is a major factor in that. Um, but there are certainly people, like even within the pagan community, who have Aboriginal heritage, who are starting to to share ideas and and create this conversation between the two paths, which is really interesting. So yeah, yes, that's lovely. We had a, there was a member in Australia who was. Uh, who is uh, Aboriginal and, um, and also had a, had a doctorate. She had a PhD in Aboriginal studies. And, uh, she, you know, this was a long time ago, so this was 20 years ago, and we had great conversations when we were in Australia about that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there's always hope. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think more's, more's changing um, all the time. Um, but, yeah, if we can get some kind of treaty organised, I think that would make a big difference for the just general feeling of it. But, uh, yeah, so what what's your experience been like in other countries as well? I did actually ask Ema about this too. Um, so I think it's a fascinating question for, for like, from people's experience of worldwide Druidry. Um, it's yeah. amazing to see what that diversity is like, especially for us where we feel like we're doing something quite different um, to see... Yeah. To hear about other experiences of other places is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the one of the, in the when I was at the Gulf Coast gathering last year, so that's down in Louisiana right. near New Orleans, and uh, there was a workshop there um, encouraging everyone to uh, really tune in to the uh, locality and to adapt the ceremonies, and so. Uh, the workshop led up to a kind of um, where the group was split into groups and for each direction. And they worked and on coming up with the plants and animals to represent each direction. And then we did a ceremony. And it was very interesting because we, you know, we started the weekend with the, with the standard uh, Obod opening. And then, but we finished with this adapted one which was using the same, exactly the same structure and concepts and so on, but they had, um, I can't remember now, you know, the alligator in the south and, you know, um, you know the, uh, I, can't, I really can't remember, but the different, the different animals and so on. And it felt so much more kind of in tune with nature around. And, and, and yet again, exactly the same. We were doing, we were do, you know, we were doing the same Obod ceremony. So it was great. So, uh, and when we were in, uh, when Stephanie and I were at the East Coast gathering about three years ago, um, the opening ceremony began with people dressed up. I put a little video on my uh, blog about it because it was so fun. They were dressed up as a moose and an owl and, uh, and the, the costumes they were wearing were just stunning. I mean, you know, they, they these incredible human moose. And wow. um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's it's great to see, and then in Ireland, I know Ema incorporates the Irish language, yeah. um, and of course, in ceremonies that are done in Germany and France and Holland and so on, they they're, they're in their language. Um, they tend to keep the same animals because that that kind of fits mm. with the geography, you know. Yeah. And um, do the Americans ever um, have that kind of relationship that the New Zealanders have with Maori culture? Do they ever have that with the Native American culture? Um, well, I don't 
Yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's 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 kind of different there because for a start, whereas in New Zealand, for instance, you can talk about Maori culture as one culture, uh, yeah. whereas in the States you've got all these different First Nations, as they're called, mm. um, and uh, the, the, you know uh, the the and. and um, People are very sensitive to cultural appropriation too. So as yet, I haven't experienced a ceremony which takes on board uh, Native American uh, terms, words, etc., in the way uh, that we did in New Zealand. But what I what I what I but what was so interesting, and I, I don't know if you remember, but I brought it up in the in a meeting at, at the in Shoboda was was how uh, somebody might look at what what happens in New Zealand and see it as cultural appropriation mm. because you have essentially people of European descent using Maori language and terminology and all that. And yet it doesn't feel that way at all. And that's because it's coming from such a position of respect and such a knowledge as well. It's like, you know, when I when our kids, when we lived in New Zealand in 2000, we checked our two young daughters into the little local school. And they were immediately learning Māori. They were singing the New Zealand national anthem in Māori proudly to us and so on. Um, they were walking under a Māori archway into the school grounds every day. You know, it was just a part of the culture. Uh, so it, and, then, so, and when that's done, it doesn't feel like cultural appropriation. Mm. You know, um, that's the difference, I think. Yeah, I think that the Americans have a similar situation to Australia where we have to be quite sensitive and, um, yeah, I I was saying to Ema as well, like, like the sense of having good relationship I think is really important, just one-on-one, -on -one, like not basing what we, we know on, on books or on, um, on you know, things we see on TV or, or anything like that, but, but m making a friend and, you know, having somebody sort of bring us into a relationship that, that deepens that understanding. Um, that's the beginning, but also that's political change. Sorry. If you if you imagine doing a, an obod ceremony in Australia, where you'd got some Aboriginal words from a book, and you knew some of their stories from, and you'd kind of mashed it in, mm. that would feel wrong. Mm. Whereas if you were doing druid ceremonies in an area where you got to know a local Aboriginal and you became friends and he told you the stories and, and he gave his permission. He said it was all right. Maybe he joined in some of the ceremonies, you know, and then gradually you, you had a, a relationship. Then it would be a whole different ball game, I think. So I think that's what's happened in New Zealand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good relationship is like the basis of it all, I think. But, but um, yeah. like there's also that, like there's, there's a relationship with the First Nations cultures, but then I think there's also the relationship with the land itself, which um, mm. is, is less um, prohibitive. Um, yeah. You know, we can still connect with, with a kangaroo energy or a, or a gum tree um, without needing to step on anyone's toes, I think. So, to, to, yeah, nobody, nobody owns them. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it's, um, it's fascinating. To, to see how much how much diversity there can be around the world um, yeah. yeah so I like that idea that that we have have all this diversity but there's like the familial sort of um, joining practices that bring it all together 
Um, hmm. Yeah. So that's a lovely idea that, that we have that that sense of like the course or, or just druidry in general um, bringing us all together. Um, yeah. But do you, do you find there's, there's value in, um, like for us in Australia, we, we often take pilgrimage trips to Britain to, to see what it's, you know, like in, like in the homeland. Um, but do you mm. find there's value as well in, in people from Britain going other places or from people in Australia going other places like and seeing that diversity? Oh, I, th I think so. I mean, you must have found that in uh, coming to New Zealand. You, you, you know, you you could have said, "Oh, there's no point in me going to New Zealand because it's, you know, I, I want to go to Britain and uh, Ireland and you know, drink from the source or something like that." But 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 I I guess you, well, I know you had a fabulous time in New Zealand, and <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so I think yeah, I think there's a real value in that. And, um, you know, I know from other members who've done that, who've travelled, you know, German members who've been to America or vice versa or whatever. Yeah, there's a real value in that, I think. Yeah, yeah I think the value for me, though, is in, um, in seeing how other people in um, what you might call displaced Druidry or, I don't know, um, non-British Druidry, uh, yeah. how, how they're adapting their practices to their landscape and, and how that can help me understand how to do it in my way. Um, with with mm. my land and and the different cultural um, you know challenges or um, opportunities that we have here, um, but yeah, what what does it bring back for you when when you come home to go to um, a place like New Zealand or Australia? Well, anyway. uh, uh, a thought that occurs to me is I've I've just been watching a, a documentary about quantum entanglement, um, which is which is this extraordinary phenomenon of 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 particles that can be separated massively by distance but there's some strange relationship between them that they both uh can influence each other in ways that physics just can't you know einstein just wouldn't accept the, this fundamental idea in quantum mechanics what's called quantum entanglement uh but just recently various experiments have been done um, with using astronomy, for instance, to to sort of verify quantum entanglement, and um, of course it infirms a kind of esoteric or spiritual principle that space—it's uh, not—it's not that space is an illusion, but that that's just our experience of space is only coming from our uh, particular uh, perspective. And then in reality, you know, it's consciousness, if you like, that, that transcends space. But space is relative, if you like. Um, so then the question of, you know, whether Druidry is, you know, the, the localization of it starts to starts to dissolve because you can, so you can feel that that's why I think you can feel so at home doing a Druid ceremony in, uh, in New Zealand when you're actually on the opposite side of the world. And I remember doing a, a guided visualization in the, I was giving a talk in the botanical gardens in Sydney, uh, and uh, as, a, as a sort of guided visualization, I encouraged everybody to kind of uh, imagine they were going to uh, a, a, a sacred site, you know, some sort of rocks on, on the land, just a special spot, uh, and going into a kind of cave and then coming out. And when they came out, they were in, uh, in Ireland or Britain. And then they had an adventure, and then they went through the cave, and they came out in Australia, and 
It was a short walk to the botanical gardens. And, uh, you know, and people found that really easy to do. You know, it, it was powerful and easy to do and so on. Um, so I think on the one hand, you know, we can get, um, we don't have to be too concerned about the geography because it's all connected. Mm. But um, I, I guess I, I still wanted to know what, what it brings to you. <laughs> like, uh, what, what, what brings to me? Sorry. Um, just, uh, like, or, or to, to someone who practices mainly in that, that place where everything in the book makes sense, where you've got yeah. all of the plants, you've got all of the, the stories, it's all right there where you live. Um, well, mm. almost. I mean, you don't live in Ireland and England and Wales all at the same time, obviously. You still yeah. might want to go to those places as well. But what, what does it um, bring to you to, to go to somewhere so different? I mean, like, yes, we can see that there's something so similar, but, but does it kind of, uh, like, do you learn anything from that, um, that you know, that's, that's sort of new? Um, seeing the diversity around the world, does that, how, does that change anything for you when you come home? Um, well, uh, you know, at one, at one level it does, uh, I'll, I'll give you a very Irish answer, which is at one level it does, it does and it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, at, at, at one level, you know, I kind of feel, at, you know, home is where the heart is and, you know, I, f I feel at home wherever I am, you know, yeah. uh, so, so I, I, at one level it doesn't make any difference, you know, and, um, but 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 I, you know I, I have all the usual feelings like you know when I come home it's there's that lovely feeling of 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 being back at home and there's a kind of homeliness in home and so on, um, and uh, but I, I, I you know I'm not sure that I learn anything in any kind of intellectual way, uh, you know beyond beyond the sort of kind of data that one gathers as a tourist and yeah. and new experiences always teach you stuff but I don't I don't. Yeah. Well, perhaps that, that sense of feeling much more at home when you get home is important as well. Um, mm. I think I find that too when I, I mean, it felt so foreign going to New Zealand. Um, and yeah. by the end, I certainly knew a lot more about New Zealand than I could have imagined learning. It was quite amazing. Um, yeah. And so every time I go to New Zealand, I'm going to feel more at home there and I'll probably learn more every time. But, but yeah, coming mm. home, it's like, oh, this place has claimed me <laughs> yes yeah yeah exactly yeah there's a real there are, there's a real sense of um yeah it's a it's a lovely feeling isn't it that feeling of being at home in your own place and so on yeah. uh, and, it, and it but it's also great to be able to feel that anywhere yes you know i think that's the thing i think it's it's great you know so i sort of love playing with you, you know i mean you, i think everybody does this probably you know when you're in a foreign country or you're in a different place you kind of while you're sitting in a cafe in paris or in rome or whatever you you kind of run a little fantasy of what it would be like if you just rented an apartment there and lived there for six months and just yeah. made it your home for a while and and what fun it would be you know and what what i like doing is i actually like doing the reverse exercise which goes like this you know the way when you when you travel, say, you know, when I'm when I first went to New Zealand, you know, there's this extraordinary fact of being on the other side of the world. And you're sitting in a restaurant in Nelson on the South Island, you know, and you just really and it feels so um, you're intensely aware of how far away from your home you are. 
and and it's kind of deliciously strange. It's just strange in a sort of delicious way. And uh, what I do is a kind of game with myself. When I sit in a restaurant or a cafe in England, I generate the same feeling. I kind of switch. It's, it's so familiar to me as a feeling. I kind of switch it on like I'm a complete stranger. I've come from the other side of the world and everything is new and exciting and romantic and different simply because, uh, you know, it's not home. Um, So that's almost kind of playing with the the opposite of feeling at home is is, is feeling not at home, but enjoying it in a positive way. Yeah, Yeah. there's something really special about travel, I think, that makes you really present um, when everything's new and there's nothing that you've experienced before. You haven't layered any memories already in a place. You're, you're meeting everything for the first time. It's really powerful, I think. Yeah, you know, I think the study of um, the psychology of perception, is it's almost like it ought to be part of every kind of young person's training or a little sort of course, because I don't know whether you've ever studied it, but, I mean, it's just fantastic to understand how, how, how perception works and uh, the way that your, your brain, you know, we tend to think that, the way we perceive reality and the way we see the world literally with our eyes or hear it or, is that we're passive and that all this sensory data comes in and we see what's out there. But it's not actually the case. It's like our brains are incredibly proactive in processing the information and presenting it to our consciousness in certain ways. You know, like there's, you know, on if, if we really just saw what was in front of us, in, there'd be big circles in our fields of vision where the optic nerve goes back into our brain. So there are no, but what, what we do is we tip in. Our brain says, well, you know, I'm looking at your, your shoulders there and you're wearing a kind of gray, gray blue top or whatever. Uh, so the bit to the side where I can't actually see, I will imagine I'm seeing it. And I just tip the color in that space, you know, mm. um, and, and, there are all sorts of phenomena like that, like constancy and so on, different things. And so, you know, you can very easily walk down the street in your local town and have a coffee with a friend and walk home. And most of your perception will be running on automatic because you know where the pavement ends and you've done this walk a hundred times and all the rest of it. And so you'll experience it in a, in a completely different way to, to a, somebody who's just arrived from the other side of the world. Uh, from another town, you know. So, so the, the 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 that's the whole idea of beginner's mind in Zen. You know, is is that you, if you try and mindfulness in general, is that you try and approach life uh, without these automatic programs running. I mean, sometimes you need them. I and mean, when you're driving a car, you would kind of go berserk if you didn't have all sorts of uh, automatic programs running. Uh, you wouldn't be able to function. Uh, and you, you actually wouldn't be able to function in any situation without lots of automatic processes occurring, in, even in your perception. Mm. But uh, so, you know, and that's one of the purposes of ceremony as well, is to kind of create a, a different uh, situation that shakes you out of your normal sort of perception so you attend to it more and so on, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, I feel like the whole point of the beginning of the rituals is is bringing us into presence and just yeah yeah letting us sort of acknowledge the fullness of the moment so that we can be really in the here and now 
for for where yeah. things happen it's it's quite special and yeah like travel brings you in or, or yeah or choosing to change your perception um yeah it's sort of where the magic happens it it can't happen if you're thinking about other things or you know the past or the future kind of in that that um what do they call it in in buddhism just like non-attachment i suppose like not thinking about the past or the future just just being yeah, yeah. very much here and now <laughs> uh, yeah 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 it's a magical moment yeah yeah so um i yeah well i wondered if i might ask you about um sort of coming to the end of your journey as chosen chief and what change that's going to bring for you and um yeah just what what that's feeling like at the moment sort of are you are you kind of I don't know, reviewing everything that you've done or, or, um, or looking to, to something different, like what's, what's it going to mean for you? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know, when something feels absolutely right, you know, when you, you know, sometimes you can make a decision, um, or, or, or be on the verge of shifting into something new and you're not at all sure there's, you know, you know, you're maybe beset with doubt or, not sure it's the right thing, or in the kind of worst case scenario, you actually feel you've made the wrong decision, and that's um, that's that's you know that can be tricky. Uh, in this case, it just feels so right. I mean, when when Ema and I did the um, kind of announcement last summer in Glastonbury, and you you may have seen the little video clip uh, up on YouTube about that, you know, and 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 that atmosphere, the atmosphere in the room, there were two hundred members in the room, you know. And I announced it, and the atmosphere was just fantastic. A, everybody was super attentive because suddenly I was—they could tell I was saying something, you know, like important, you know. So everybody was really kind of focused. And then I mentioned it, and then everybody just stood up and clapped, you know, uh, and and hugged, people queued up and hugged Dima, and it was just great. It was like absolutely, and it felt it, it felt just right. And so I'm feeling great. I'm feeling, um, you know, I'm not overanalyzing it. Um, I'm not. I'm not kind of reviewing the past. I mean, I, because I review every year. You know, I do these annual reviews mm. every year, which is up on the trilogy.org site and all that stuff. So for 30 years, I've been writing an annual review. So that's almost like digestion. You know, I always think that review. The reason why we have reviews at the end of each grade, the Bardic, the Ovate, and the Druid grade is because it's like a kind of um, di digestive process. You know, often we just hurtle through life, cramming experience onto experience onto experience. And the, the point of, say, a retreat, a spiritual retreat, is where you, you know, or one of the points can be where you review what's happened and allow some sort of psychic digestion to occur. So, so uh, I've, 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 you know, luckily, I've, each year I've kind of done that digestive work of looking back over the year and writing it down and so on. Um, so I haven't done, you know, I'm, I'm not reviewing. I'm just enjoying a sense of kind of opening out. And, of course, the great pleasure of handing on, um, you know, everything I know to, to Ema and, you know, having long conversations with her uh, in which I just recount everything that I can remember about the last 32 years, all the things I feel I've learned about what it takes to, to lead uh, an order, a group, um, all the kind of particularities of Obod. I mean, Obod is a very interesting sort of 
uh, creature in itself. Just it's it's in many ways, you know, the way it works and so on. Uh, just um, handing that on to Ema is just a tremendous pleasure, you know. Yeah. So, so what's it going to mean for you personally? Are you going to take some time out, or are you going to put your energy into other things, or? Um, well, or are you going to still maintain a bit of like? Will you still travel and and visit us around the world? Or uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think well, as regards the travel, um, I'm not going to travel. So I have travelled so much. Yeah. Um, I I uh, you know I mean there's the issue of of, of um, you know the carbon footprint which I want you know uh, want to respect and and also in. I'm not sure whether whether it's right to have kind of burnt it out of my system, but uh, travel no longer attracts me in the way it used to. I was a kind of avid traveler, and I'm really happy not to travel now. Mm. I mean, luckily we have a, a lovely house and a beautiful garden, and we're in a lovely part of the world, uh, and uh, you're near the sea, and uh, so so I'm really happy not to travel. So, so I probably will travel less. Um, and um, what I'm really going to appreciate and already starting to appreciate in this transition period, but I hope more so, is this, um, as, I, as I let go of kind of administrative and decision-making tasks, uh, this kind of opens up space for me, a time for me. And so I can go deeper. So I want to meditate more. I want to um, I want to read more. I want to I want to go deeper. You know, because when you're when you're in this kind of role of leadership, you have to you have to kind of be quite broad. You have to you have to you have to yeah. You have to uh, a lot of your attention is is I guess see it in spatial terms. I'm trying to think of another way of saying it, but you know, you you have to be aware of what's happening to you know the order in America and Australia and New Zealand, and you're getting emails from all over the world, and maybe you're flying there too. So you're it's it's kind of a, a lot of sort of horizontal work, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas whereas now I'm looking forward to sort of some deepening, you know. Um, so and and my you know uh, you know I'll still be available and present in the order and but um i won't have that obligation to you know the kind of duty in a way to to travel to events and to and to to, to handle uh you know decisions and so on like that that won't be my they won't be part of my responsibilities anymore so i'll have more time to do other things and and you know one of my you know my big interest in druidry is 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 contained within a bigger interest, if you like, that I've always had. The bigger interest has always been, for me, spiritual teachings. You know, how do we develop as souls and individuals, you know, individually and collectively on this planet? Uh, that's always been my prime interest. And then Druidry has been the, a kind of within that as a vehicle for, for working in that way. Um, so that interest will always be there, you know. And I think I think that... The meeting place of spirituality and psychology. I think, you know, that's that. that, that you, you bring the two together, and some of the pathology and spirituality. I mean, I think spiritual disciplines and religions have, you know, there's there's some very weird stuff in it, as as we all know, fascinatingly weird, 
uh, and sometimes quite dangerous and, and negative stuff. And uh, it's psychology that can help us kind of uh, work with that and understand it and um, find a kind of way through it as well. So that'll keep me going, I think. Um, it sounds yeah. like um, almost what we were talking about before about like pilgrimage and, and travel and then how, that, how coming home makes you feel more... Um, you know, uh, reminds you of presence. It's almost like that's happened in your wider journey there. <laughs> that yeah. that in like through your career with Druidry, you've been taking all this time to to travel around and be very broad minded, and now you're you're coming back home um, to be. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. Like the 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 larger journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. I think. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. For, for talking Great. to me. Um, and you're, you're doing the tea next Monday, yeah, aren't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. That was me speaking with Philip Cargom from the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids. Uh, as you can see, that was a bit of an awkward ending. But, yeah, so I will be doing Tea with a Druid uh, tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, I expect you'll be hearing this a little bit later. Um, so if you'd like to... See that, you can see it on the um, Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids page and that's on Facebook uh, and I believe it will go to their YouTube channel as well. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have a chat about what it's been like um, doing Druidry in Australia and and uh, hopefully I'll be doing a couple of them so you can see me around there in the future as well too. Uh, if you'd like to know more about Obod, you can find out about them at druidry.org. And if you'd like to know a bit more about what I do, um, my book is called Australian Druidry and you can get that at all good bookshops on, or online. Uh, and I've also got a blog, um, juliebrett.net. So thanks very much for listening. I'll catch you next time.